David Huckfeld is a singer-songwriter with a strong connection to Native American history and culture. His recent record, in his words, is about restoring balance, space and attention, peace and equality, redeeming the marginalized, and remembering the forgotten. It's a new expression of the ancient ritual of the power of songs to weave a web of resilience and protection over our land, our loves, and our resistance. I spoke with him recently about these songs and his connection to this land and its people. I hope you dig it. The new album is called Room Enough, Time Enough, and it's a tribute to Native American history and culture. Can you tell us a little bit about this project and where the idea came from? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, sometimes as songwriters, we tend to gravitate toward something that uh, we aspire to, but it's, it's hard to actually achieve. And for me, it's that that sense of spaciousness. Um, music industry has a way of making you feel pretty tight, kind of like a straitjacket in some uh, regards. And uh, down here in the desert, there's um, there's a feeling of, uh, you know, you can hear yourself not think, actually. And um, and where all these borders that we've drawn, you know, man-made borders over this kind of ancient land, they're just, in, they're just conventions. Uh, and things mix and mingle down here in the desert, um, you know, sort of in an ancient kind of timeless quality. And that's where the, the phrase room enough, time enough comes from. And that was the, the mindset behind the record was, you know, in this, in this moment where we have this piercing kind of, uh, you know, rancor and division, where do we find common ground? I know it's there that, you know, there's some places historically where, things went right, uh, not wrong between, um, you know, culturally speaking. And then there's a lot of mistakes and, uh, and, um, the grievances and, and, and ignoring, um, appropriation, all these things that go on, where do we carve out a little space for collaboration and let music kind of help show us how to, how to facilitate healing. Um, so I wanted to open up a big wide project to, um, friends, uh, people I admire and respect musically and just, uh, really have kind of a revolving door of, uh, kind of disparate artists, uh, all come together to make this record and, and to do these songs. Right. Yeah. There's a huge range of artists that you collaborated, collaborated with on the album. Uh, can you tell us a little about, a little bit about who are the people you worked with? Yeah. I, you know, the first step into the, into the zone was, was, um, you know, the band's studio musicians down here in Tucson, which is, you know, as a remote kind of outpost outpost by the border, they have uh, they have such a cohesive um, camaraderie down here. Gabriel Sullivan at Dustin Stone Studios, uh, working with um, Hal Gilb and, and uh, ex-Bob Dylan drummer Winston Watson. Um, they have a, a pretty tight... Uh, you know, kind of pirate ship vibe of bringing their sound to to songwriters, and um, so I I started there with the band in the studio, and then you know I, I wanted to bring in writers, songwriters who I tremendously admire, but feel like maybe have been overlooked, and that that includes the Tucson songwriter Billy Settlemeyer, I think one of the greatest writers that in living today, um, and. Uh, my friend Keith Sakola, who's Anishinaabe Ojibwe um, from northern Minnesota, he lives down here now. So we just started expanding outward um, and uh, and including 
quite a few indigenous artists who live different places around the country. It was a kind of a good time in quarantine to catch people off the road and at home. So we sent it out to my friend Quilt Man, who lives on Warm Springs Reservation in Oregon, and uh, my friend Jackie Bird, who lives in South Dakota. And, um, you know, even after all that, um, I found myself back home with uh, Pandemic um, in April and May after the birth of, of my son. And so I sent it out even again to um, some of my friends in Iowa, where I'm from, to Greg Brown and Pieta Brown um, and some folks in the Midwest. So I just, uh, it, every time it became a question, you know, sh- should we have somebody add something to this? The answer always seemed to be yes. And and whenever we got the tracks back, they, they always had more heart and more spirit to them than before they, I sent them, you know? Right. Yeah, it's a, like a great tapestry of musicians working on the piece. Yeah, and pretty selfless, too. I mean, I think people were, you know, there's some public domain songs and some old folk songs and some songs by some obscure songwriters that people felt like kind of lifting up without ego getting in the way. So that kind of helps set the tone. Right. So what is, uh, why is this uh, topic so important to you? Is it something you grew up with or came into later in life? I mean, in the last, you know, 10 years or so, music and activism for me have started to blend in a way that just feels really natural. And, uh, you know, I have some, um, sort of some religious training in my, in my background and I studied theology for a couple of years and, uh, and I really bottomed out on that and just felt that the glaring omissions and I just kind of traced those lines back and, and they, they led me back to, um, you know, some, indigenous philosophies about the planet earth and uh they led me to a relationship and a friendship with the great american indian movement activist john trudell who heavily influenced my thinking and then to tell you the truth like everything else about the record and about my approach is just friendships you know it's it's having gone up and played powwows in northern minnesota um with my friend Annie Humphrey and and um, just traveling around and seeing the ways which these native artists kind of get shoved aside and uh, stereotyped and pigeonholed and and seeing that they have such a such a urgent and valuable um, I wouldn't say even message but but voice and approach and perspective and worldview that it's lacking in, in a lot of what we call like Americana or, or roots or folk music. We like to define it and push it aside. But for me, um, it's been a lifesaver, those friendships and relationships to see the world as something, you know, not to conquer, but to respect. Um, it shifts the whole, the whole paradigm on its head, you know? Right. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring up the, the theology. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in what, um, what kind of group you were with? Was it evangelical Christians or, um, what, what were you studying there? You know, it was, it was just a, it was kind of a, one of the most rigid, um, soulless kind of brand of evangelicalism, you know, without offending anybody, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe the, the kind of institution or university that, that lays the building blocks for, you know, kind of for the religious right to deliver something like someone like Trump, you know, just a, um, a really 
capitalist, um, you know, cut and dry, don't ask questions, you believe what you believe. And uh, to make it back from that world, I mean, it was a school in Chicago. Um, it was a hard journey to make it back because most people, you know, once you get there, you get stuck there and it kind of turns into a little thought prison around you. And and so those those themes have always been interesting to me. Um, you know, themes of redemption and and also just, you know, we tell one kind of story in American Christianity, but from an indigenous perspective, um, if you can walk there and listen, you know, do more listening than talking, you can find out, for me, you can find out why it doesn't always make sense to think that, uh, you know, we're sinful beings or, you know, the world, the earth should be subdued and conquered. These these mindsets have done a lot of damage. Right. Yeah, I asked because I came out of that world as well, and um, I went to, to a Bible did? college. Okay. Yeah, and I, it was really fascinating to me because I've, I've kind of had a similar journey to you and um, being more uh, open to, to different backgrounds of um, studying Buddhism and, and um, indigenous beliefs and stuff like that. I just thought that was kind of an interesting interesting journey. Yeah, yeah, and I've, I'm just, you know in the same kind of the same boat. There's there's things we have to do to kind of repair and re-equip, re-equip our spirits for, um, I mean, you know, the, the proof of your, of your faith is kind of in, in the results or your actions and, and our actions have destroyed the planet. They've created, you know, this horrifying income inequality and we've, we've lost the ability to really care for vulnerable, uh, populations. And it, it's, yeah, it's an interesting journey because, um, I don't know. There's a there's something I about the you know the indigenous perspective that I feel like we don't deserve it. You know, we we were guests on this continent, and then we and then we manifest destiny our our way through it. And so, you know, whether it's pipeline protests or uh, clean water, you know, these issues, um, we're very fortunate that <laughs> that someone is speaking up for for the planet and for our children. And there's ways to kind of wrap our heads around that, um, you know, for healing sake. Uh, it seems important and it felt definitely important in these, in these songs on the record. Right. Well, the song that the hidden shall be made known, um, is a, a reference to the new Testament and kind of fits into what we've been talking about. Can you tell us a, a little bit about that song? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you nailed it. I think it's that, that feeling of, um, I, you know, I think about it as kind of puncturing the the digital dream, and uh, and one thing musicians seem to really increasingly struggle with is, you know, uh, that feeling of having to always self promote, and that feeling of having to make things look and uh, look like you're having the time of your life and everything's fine. When in truth, you know, especially now, people are kind of panicked and you know, the, the innermost becomes the outermost over time. Or as my friend Keith Sakola says, he said, um, if you stand in a, a puddle of water long enough, even rubber boots will leak, you know? And it's that perspective of um, maybe there's a way to encounter, you know, these little um, vignettes and, and stories of our life where our our vulnerability comes first and uh, and it's okay to say you know, I'm stuck right here or I'm afraid right here because that's going to be the case anyway. And, and as we see, we try to brush aside these things um, 
you know, that that song is just a story song where, you know, I felt like it could be, you know, 30 verses long if 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 I had the time or it, or wanted to force that on anybody. But um, it's the kind of song I've always gravitated toward. You know, certain songwriters can pull those off. I don't I don't know if I can, but I I like to if if the narrative's good and it's honest, then I I'll pretty much go anywhere with anyone. You know, right. Yeah, I love the idea behind it, too, that um, sometimes it can be uh, frustrating watching things that seem um, so wrong and, and no one's doing anything about it and, 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 and whatnot. But the, eventually, you know, things come to pass and, and um, the hidden is made known and there's like a cycle to the whole thing. And um, I really I thought yeah. that was an interesting topic for a song, you know. Yeah, I appreciate you catching that. I mean, there's a verse in there about there's a little mission down here, San Javier del Bac, which you know was built in the 1700s, and it's on uh, Tejano uh, land, and the Jesuits were there, and the, and the Mexicans were there, and it's it's just this swirl, and I, you know, I they have uh, ghost beads, these these protective uh, juniper berry beads down there that that they sell, and I've worn them for years, you know, and even when we're all banged up by COVID and, and all the difficulties of life, it's like, uh, there's a line that the ones, the beats I got you from San Javier kept you safe thus far. And it's like, I just kind of hold on to those things that we can, you know, especially when our facade starts to crack, um, you know, what gets us through. Right. That's great. Well, the song "Bury Me Not" is is very sparse and uh, and beautiful, and I was wondering if you could uh, tell us a little bit about that song as well. Yeah, that song. Um, I mean, it's it is, I think, quite literally one of the one of the oldest songs that that's found its way through the public domain. It actually started as a song about the open sea uh, um, coming over from from Europe. You know, don't send me to a watery grave. And then it was. I love how it was translated to the open prairie, uh, the prairie sea, and and it's been, you know, been sung by a lot of, you know, luminaries in country music and folk music and Johnny Cash is a version. And I think I just saw something in those original lyrics that was, that was more about the land. Um, you know, it's always told from the, the sympathizing with the cowboy. But if you read those lyrics, you know, why is he out there? You know, he got sent out there by some rich guy to drive some cattle and, 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 you know, it's never the little guy who makes the money, but he ends up in a shallow grave on the prairie. So we wanted to kind of turn it on its head and, and have, uh, you know, have the horns that are so um, prevalent in, in the border music down here. And just, uh, I just felt like we could do a different kind of take on it and, and let the land, you know, the land is, can be merciless um, to those who want to conquer it. So it felt more like a kind of environmental anthem to me than, than even an old cowboy song. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Have, have you ever been up to the um, cowboy poetry gathering in Elko? You know what? I haven't. I almost went uh, two years ago and, and I saw you guys. Uh, did you have some kind of episode? Uh, did you do an episode on that? Yeah, it, they did it all virtual this year. So I had some guys um, record some stuff and, and send it in and I put together a little piece for it. 
um, cause I've, I've been the last couple of years, but there's a pretty good, uh, native American presence there. And, and, um, the year before last, they had Dom Flemons come do the thing on black cowboys. And, um, it's, it's, it really, they do a really good job of addressing the diversity of the West. And it's a pretty fascinating place to go to. That's so cool to hear. I mean, I've known about it for a few years. Um, but I, you know, there's some of these songs like, um, and I've always wanted to go. I, I hope I can make it sometime. But there's a songwriter called named Buddy Redbow, who was a Lakota, you, you know, um, um, song yeah, songwriter, and he was he played country music, and he was a cowboy, but he was native. And you know, I never got to meet the guy. He died quite young, but we did his song Journey to the Spirit World, and uh, I just it's like you said, there's a diversity of the West that is really brushed aside in the the strict narrative of cowboys and Indians. And um, I think just blurring those lines, uh, we're getting to the place culturally where, you know, we're acknowledging some of those influences and, and voices and it just makes everything so much more interesting and colorful and deeper, you know, um, to not easy definitions. Right. Right. Yeah, I'll never forget um, uh, hearing Dom uh, talk about the um, the percentages of, of different ethnicities in the West. And he said that about a quarter were African-American, like um, uh, former slaves who were looking for opportunity. And then about a third were of Hispanic origin. Um, and then Native, it's kind of tough to, to figure out because it was, you know, kind of just the numbers are weird. But that makes it at least um, a, a majority non-white out in the West, you know. Right. And it's like this, yeah. no one ever thinks of that, you know. I know we don't. We've been told one story, you know, and 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 you know, activists and writers like you know, I mean, people over the years have tried to <clears throat> kind of unwrench that vision from Howard Zinn to you know Vine Deloria and stuff. But down here in Tucson, um, there's uh, just about forty miles west of town. There, there was a little ghost town called Kilako. Um, it was a town that uh, founded by a black cowboy named Ed Kilako and uh, they, nobody would buy his cattle and, and somebody joked to him, you should go out and just make your own town. It's exactly what he did. He built this ghost town, had his own money, uh, bar, barbershop. You know, it's, he just passed away a couple of years ago, but we, to go out there is like, <clears throat> there's places you can go that will tell you a counter narrative to what you've learned historically. And, and those places should be celebrated, I think. Absolutely. So, um, there's all kinds of difficulties with COVID shutdowns as far as, uh, promoting an album touring, like you normally do and all that. So, um, yeah, since the touring's all shut down, what's, what are your plans to, um, uh, to promote the album? You know, I, anymore, I'm not sure. I, honestly, it's been, um, it's been such a arduous year. We had a baby in March, our first son, uh, first child. And, uh, you know, for about six months of the pandemic, we were um, we were going pretty solid, just with our tight little bubble at home. And I, you know, I felt like we were we had, you know, we had birthed the next Dalai Lama, and we were keeping him in hiding, and he never got to meet anybody. And it was like, it, as the months added up, um, and the shows kind of went away, um, I I turned toward you know online benefits and virtual concerts. I did a, 
a concert with Winona LaDuke for the Stop Line 3 protest, and I did a couple food shelf um, benefits and and as those, you know, the, music wasn't meant for for a screen and live music, and so as those have kind of wound down, I think it's been a lot of relenting. I don't I don't know when the shows will start up again, and I don't really want to make myself mentally uh, sick by by trying to push a record onto people who are worried about their health and their livelihoods. So people I know in the music world are finding ways to take a step back. And uh, I guess I got to have some faith that that this record will find its way into people's hands um, without the touring. But it's a, it's a hard hill to climb. I mean, uh, you know, to, to wrap yourself around the music business right now, I think it can make you really sick inside, you know, and that's just, that's my feeling of it lately. And so this light touch, I guess, comes into my mind. I, I, um, you know, the record comes out this week and it's kind of the end of that campaign. And hopefully we just plant some seeds that can, that can grow, you know, um, when, when live music returns. Right. Yeah. And hopefully it'll, it'll find its audience out there, you know? Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I think that, um, one thing we did this time around is we sent the record to, you know, dozens of reservation radio stations and native owned stations, which if you've ever driven around the country, um, that's really some of the best radio that's left on the air, you know? Um, and, uh, I think it's, I, I think I'm excited about plugging in those kind of, those kind of outdoor shows and the smaller shows, um, maybe even some house concerts and just congregating where and when we can with a new record. Well, I feel for you guys. I know it's got to be tough having your whole, uh, your whole way of life upended for over a year now. And, um, it's, it's a weird situation. It really is. I don't know. I mean, if other musicians you've talked to have expressed, you know, frustration, it seems like, you know, some people have a, have a buffer and some artists don't. And, uh, you know, you, I think you can get you get you can get chewed up if your only outlet is uh, is social media and uh, right. you know virtual concerts. It's gonna it kind of ravages the sensitive among us. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. I uh, I appreciate you connecting with me. Was there any any last things you wanted to say before we wrap up? No, man. That's uh, it's just. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Will. I'm really thankful that uh, you wanted to do the do the show, and it's cool what you're doing. Um, I'm just glad to be a part of it, and thanks for bringing some attention to the the new record. 